How many of you like to walk? Okay. Well, when you were able to, okay. Absolutely. I totally, I could totally understand that. Well, this morning I think about that question, how many of you like to walk? Because I want to start with this story. I don't know if any of you know someone like this, but bless her heart. You know, anytime you're going to, you share a story or whatever, and it's not going to be maybe the best story, that's how you kind of say, well, bless her heart, and then it makes it okay for what you're going to share. But my mother-in-law, she will drive around the parking lot like two or three times looking for the closest spot, right? I mean, I'm like, you've wasted more time looking to try to park up close, whereas with me, I park, I'll be willing to park further out. And so most of you probably do park closer up, right? Because all the spaces in the back are open. But as we think about that, like sometimes as we're going through life, we just become so conditioned in the society that we live in that we want the easiest means possible to whatever's going on. Right, whether if we're going to the store, right, we want the closest parking space and we'll ride around and we'll waste more time and more gas looking for that spot. Or, you know, think about just how we've been conditioned as far as how we eat out. You know, a lot of people use the drive through. Me, even pre COVID, I would go in and I would want to um, go inside of a restaurant just so that I could have FaceTime with someone to, to encourage them, to make them smile. And so this morning, I want you to see as we dive into the remaining part of Ruth chapter 1. So I encourage you to take your copy of God's Word, turn over to the book of Ruth, and there you'll find the third book of history, the Old Testament. It's the eighth book overall, and it's in between Judges and 1 Samuel. So if you'll turn to the book of Ruth, last week we kind of began and we just talked about, you know, if you were to sum your life the last 10 years up in five sentences, what would they say? You know, this is kind of what we saw. It was that lead sentence as we, as we read articles, as we engage with things online. There's always that lead. It's the most important information that we want to put, we want to put up top. And so there we kind of see where um, <clears throat> Naomi, she loses not only her husband, she loses both of her sons, and now she just has her two daughter-in-laws. And so we'll dive in to verse 6. And we're going to do this a little bit differently than probably I typically would do because there's a big... Uh, chunk of scripture. So I'm just going to go kind of verse by verse in little chunks instead of reading it. Typically when I preach, uh, you know, I'll read the entire passage, as you know, and then we'll go back and kind of unpack it. But we're just going to kind of unpack it as we go and read in some small sections. And so the reason I kind of talked this morning about that walk is because I want you to see as we begin to read this uh, story here this morning, we'll see a story of a conversation while they're on a journey. As we mentioned, uh, Naomi has lost both of her sons and her husband, and she's left with her daughter-in-law's Orpah and Ruth. And so uh, let's look in verse 6 through 7. Then she arose, that's Naomi, with her daughters-in-law to return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the fields of Moab that the Lord had visited his people and had given them food. So she set out from the place where she was with her two daughters-in-law, and they went on their way to return to the land of Judah. And so as we dive in this morning, I want you to hear as we begin to go forward in uh, verse 8 and following, that this is a conversation while they're on a journey. You know, these ladies didn't have the fortunate privilege that we do today. They didn't have their car. They didn't be able to get on their app and, and get an Uber and be able to go to that next destination. 
Um, as I was studying, even up until this morning, it kind of hit me on the way here. How far of distance was it from Moab back to Bethlehem? It was about 50 miles, give or take. So that would be like us traveling to Columbia. You know, we get in our cars and we hop in Columbia and we're there in 45 minutes. You know, and it, it takes us no time. Here in their day, they walked. And so I think there's, there's some application that we need to pull out of this of the fact that, you know, we, as we read these stories, we forget what these people were going through. That it would have taken them about seven to ten days to reach their destination. You know, and think about that today. What took them seven or ten days, it takes us 45 minutes. And so we lose some of that value. But the thing that I think is important is this conversation we'll hear while they're on their journey. We see in verse 6, it says, Then she arose. I'm kind of a literalist sometimes when I read Scripture, and I just want to pause right there, and that's the first thing I want to point out. Then she arose. She had been through a decade of devastation. Her, her husband had died. Her two sons had died. You know, sure, there had been marriages, so that was joyful moments in her life. But she was grieving, right? She's a widow, and here are her two daughter-in-laws that are widows with her. And, and, and we see in this verse, then she arose. There are times in our lives as believers that as we're going through this journey called life, that we've got to just get up. Right? There, there are times where we're going to sit down. There are times when we're going to weep. There are times for mourning. There's times for just being still before the Lord. But at other times, we too have to arise. We have to rise up. And then look at what we're told. It says, for uh, she was going to return from the country of Moab, for she had heard, keyword heard, in the fields of Moab that the Lord had visited his people and given them food. Listen, when God shows up, People are talking, right? She had heard that he had come through. Not that the people that the government had delivered, but who? That the Lord had showed up and that had given his people food. He had blessed them again. And so they wanted to be a part of that. They wanted to go back to her native country. Now, what I find interesting about this is I was studying. uh, You'll say, well, he might not be reading necessarily from his Bible. I am. I have my scripture printed out, chapter one printed out on three sheets with a whole bunch of notes on it. That's how I, I, I uh, study. And so that's what I'm reading from. I don't have my Bible open, but it is the word of God printed out. And so what I find interesting is there's, there's this thing we miss between verse seven and verse eight. And that is, we don't really know how much time had passed, right? If this journey took seven to 10 days, she arose and she got her two daughter-in-laws. But I, I believe, using my sanctified imagination that the Lord has given me, I, I think that as we dive into verse 8, we don't know how much time passed from when they got up and rose and began that journey. But I look at it as being in verse 8. While they were on that journey, look at what verse 8 says. But Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go return each of you to her mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant you that you may find rest, each of you, in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept. Do you, do you see the picture? Like they're on this journey. They're going from Moab to Bethlehem. And while they're on that journey, she just begins to think about the cost of what it's going to cost these two women. 
Because she says in verse 10, they said to her, no, we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, turn back my daughters. Why will you go with me? Look at what she says. She says, turn back my daughters. Not my daughters-in-law, but they had walked together. They had been together. And so she's not just saying, hey, you're you're not just my daughter-in-laws. You're my daughters. They, they had that relationship. What did we talk about this morning? We talked about, and we talked about the last two weeks, we've talked about connections. We've talked about having those conversations and building those relationships. They had been through the valley together. They had been through losing Elimelech. They had been through losing their husbands. And so they had bonded together. And she's saying, turn back my daughter. She's saying, why will you go with me? And see, as we read this this morning, we miss the point. And the point is this, that they were widows and they were Moabites. And it was going to cost them something. As Naomi is walking there with her daughters, as she says, she probably began thinking, well, they'll never be able to marry again. They'll be in perpetual widowhood. They'll in essence be in poverty. She had nothing to offer them. She had lost all of her property. So for her, she, she asks this all-important question, why will you go with me? And we see this beautiful picture as they're walking on this journey, as they're walking along this road, we see that they lifted up their voices and they wept. Can you, can you picture that this morning? Can you picture that this morning of these three women walking along and Naomi being so burdened that she just stops? You see, there are times in our lives where there'll be interruptions. And sometimes we have to make a decision. Why will you go with me? Because what did I tell you? That there's perpetual widowhood, there's poverty, they're Moabites. It's kind of like the Samaritans as we see in the New Testament. They, they, weren't, they, they weren't friendly. There was a hostile environment. And that's what they're headed into. And so she's burdened. And look at what she says as we see the rest of her conversation with her daughter. She says, have I yet sons in my womb that... They may become your husbands. Turn back, my daughters. Go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, even if I should have a husband this night and should bear sons, would you therefore wait until they're grown? See, she, that was a ridiculous statement for her. She was past the childbearing age. And so she's having this conversation with them. She's saying, would you, would you, Uh, Therefore, refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, for it is an exceedingly bitter for me, for your sake, that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. And then again in verse 14, look at what we see. Then they lifted up their voices and they wept again. You know, in between that, were they journeying? Did they stop? Did they stop at that point? I, I don't know. But they lifted up their voices and they wept again. And then we see in the end of verse 14, we see something I don't want you to miss. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. You see, friends, a decision was made in this verse. There will be, just like in this verse, this was a turning point for these two women Orpah decides to walk away, that she goes back to Moab, and she disappears off the pages of Scripture. We we don't really know much else about her. But Ruth understood the cost of what it was going to be to follow and to go with Naomi. She counted the cost, and she made the decision. 
And it was a turning point in her life because this is such an important point. Because here at this moment, had she not turned back, her turning back did, that, fulfilled God's plan of Jesus coming through the line of David. Now, granted, in your life, some of you may have been at turning points. And there are some of your turning points as significant as Jesus being born. I don't think so, but they're significant in your life. I want you to think about, I want you to think back for just a moment with me this morning. What turning points have you had in your life? Have you ever had one? Have you had a situation where you, you were there and in your life you went in a different direction? And because of that different direction, God has you where he does now. For me, I, there, was a, there was a literal turning point in my life. There was one Sunday morning, this gosh, this was probably over a decade ago. And as I, it's interesting as I, as I preach and teach this of where God has taken me in the last decade. As we look at this decade story with Naomi and Ruth. But for me, I'll never forget, we rode to the end of our street. And there at the stop sign, we could have taken a left and gone to one church that we were visiting, or we could have taken a right. And and that morning, we decided to take a right. And we went to a church that I said I would never go to because I felt like they were judgmental. They knew too much of my family story. They knew too much of my family history, that they weren't going to accept me. But that Sunday morning, for whatever reason, God had us to take that literal right-hand turn. And we got to that church. That church was Northside Memorial Baptist Church. And as we went that morning, we were received with love. They were kicking off their VBS, and so my kids went back, and, and we kind of fell into where we were supposed to be. And can I remind you really quickly, this is kind of off my notes for a minute, but I, it's something I had to learn, and it may help you. People don't know as much as you think they do. See, I was afraid to walk in that situation because of the sins of some of the people in my family, some of the decisions that people in my family had made. And I thought everybody knew that. But the closer I got to some of those people in that church, you know what I realized? They didn't know. They didn't care about those things. It wasn't even on their radar. So there are times in our lives where we make up stories in our head and we just have to push past that fear. We have to push past that unknown. And when we get to the other side, when we get farther along, what we'll understand more about it. So here we see a turning point. You see, the decisions that we make in our lives determine our direction. They determine our destination and they determine our destiny. Where are you headed this morning? What direction is your life headed in? Where's your destination? You know, as the saying goes, if you aim at anything, you'll hit it every time. But what's the destination? Because that determines your destiny.
You see, friends, as we look here at the story of Naomi, of Orpah, of Ruth, turning points can change our lives and change the lives of others. Here we see where they cried. There were tears. And can I remind you this morning that tears are not repentance? Although tears may be a byproduct of repentance, it does not mean that there has been true repentance. Paul tells the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians 7.10, he says what? He says, for godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. Here we see two such griefs. Both Orpah and Ruth cried and they shed tears. But Orpah turned and she went back to what she knew. She went back to her native land. She was like, man, that's too much of a struggle. That's too many unknowns. But Ruth, what did she do? There was a love for her mother-in-law and she understood the cost and she said, okay, God, even though I don't know what the future holds, I know who holds the future. I'm going to trust you. And so she turned. That's what repentance is. When we were, this morning as we're talking about what's your destination, which direction are you heading? You can be living in the world and going straight towards hell. But repentance is, is realizing the weight of your sins and realizing that you can never earn your salvation, that you can never do enough good works, that you can never do enough good projects, you can never give enough, you can never attend enough. You being on the roll here at Bethel Baptist Church as a member does not save you. It's a personal relationship with Christ. There has to come a time in your life when there is an about face and you turn and you go. You're not heading in the way that you once were, but you're heading towards Christ and you're heading to what He wants you to do and where He wants you to go and where He wants you to be. There's going to turn, come a life, there's going to come a point in your life that there has to be a turning point. And are you going to be like Orpah? And are you going to go back to what's comfortable and what's known? Or are you going to step out in faith and trust God like Ruth did and say, okay, God, I don't know, but I'm trusting and I'm following you. And then look at this beautiful picture. We see where Ruth speaks. So Naomi said, And she said, see, your sister-in-law, she's talking to Ruth. She says, see, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. Verse 16, but Ruth said this, do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God shall be my God. The video that we showed last week that should have been shown on Independence Day, but it's still, it's important. We've showed it. There was a line in that video that that just, I wrote in my notes as I was studying this. Your people shall be my people and your God shall be my God. Friends, there is no us versus them. There is no us versus them. God has called all people, all that may repent of their sins, not just some, not just white, not just black, not just Hispanic, whatever it may be. He's calling all people. 
And until we realize that it's not us versus them, it's not the immigrants versus us, but it is God, you shall be my people and my God shall be your God. Our God is a God of all people. Amen. Then in verse 17, Ruth says, where you die, I shall die. And there I will be buried. My, may the Lord do so to me and more also if anything but death parts from you. Verse 18 is kind of neat. It says, and when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more. So not only was there a turning point, but we see that there was commitment. Now I could, I could preach a whole series on commitment. What is lacking in our society today? Commitment. Most marriages don't survive because what? Commitment. Most people don't faithfully attend church. Why? Because it's a commitment. Most people don't love and serve their community because it's a commitment. There's a cost to following Jesus. It means that we've got to get out of the way and we've got to say, okay, God, I'm going to put up watching Madlock or Unsolved Mysteries or whatever else, watching Friends or whatever y'all else y'all watch. I don't know. Everything's so discombobulated these days. You can watch it on demand. I was watching 227 last night of all things. I'm an I'm a 80s guy. I like 80s stuff. It's kind of funny. Anyway, but you you got to like, you got to disconnect. Yeah, those things are great. And you can sit in front of the computer. You can sit in front of your TV. And what did we talk about recently? They're there to capture your attention. So you just sit there and you just keep watching. And you just keep watching. And you just keep watching. But sometimes you've got to turn that off. And you've got to go out and love your neighbor. Sometimes you've got to work on your marriage. Sometimes you've got to work on what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Sometimes you've got to sit down and have a conversation with people about their faith and what it means to follow Christ. Can I tell you right now, that's where the friction point in my life is. Even though I've been following God and preaching and teaching, I feel like God is kind of stripping me of several things, of stripping me of, 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 of what it means to truly follow Him and truly have conversations. And when a young lady sits down with you and she says, hey, I know you have your groups, but I want to know more about God. What does that look like? It is, and, that's, and I say that for me, but also for you. It's not just to run to your pastor. It's not just to run to Pastor Austin. It's not just to run to me. It's not to run to your Sunday school teacher. But how are you going to disciple them? Because we're all called to go and to make disciples, right? It's not just the calling that God places on a few. It's that he places on all of us. But Naomi was determined to go with her. Then look with me in verse 19. So Naomi and Ruth returned. So the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. You see, what was interesting as I was studying, it said this, the community gossip. Now, I didn't make this up. I'm just quoting, so don't throw no stones at me. The community gossip, particularly the women, was a buzz. They were judged, there were judgmental rumors and negative comments, and much of it was religious, if not racial. Be careful when you get together, friends, men or women. 
You might just be sharing about what's going on in somebody's life, but sometimes some of those details, it can quite become gossip. Amen? People don't have to know the whole story about everything that's going on in their lives when you're asking people to pray. Be careful what you say. And then look, the women said, is this Naomi? She said to them, do not call me Naomi, call me Mara. For the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. And I went away full, and the Lord has brought me back empty. She said, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara, which means bitter. And then we see verse 21. I went away full, and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me, and the Almighty has brought calamity among me? So this morning, as we talked about this journey as they're on this road, there were turning points. But I want you to see here, and I thought about my old buddy Jim Johnson when I was reading and studying this passage. There will come times in our lives where we will stand at crossroads. This morning, as we look at Naomi's life, she was standing at the crossroads of bitter or better. Are you standing at that crossroad this morning? Are you bitter and burdened? Are you going to continue on that road? Or are you going to make that turn and get on the better road? Get on the road to following Jesus of what He would have for you to do and to live out and to love your neighbor. You see, friends, we can't allow the bitterness and disappointments to blind us to the love, to the strength, to the resources that God provides in your present relationships. Then verse 22, So Naomi returned and Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law with her, who returned from the country of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. Next week we will dive into chapter 2. It sets the stage, I'll just go ahead and tell you, they couldn't have arrived in uh, Bethlehem at a better time. They were arriving at a good time to where they would be able to go out and to glean and to feed themselves from the fields. This morning as we close, I just want you to think about that journey that you're on this morning. I love it when I'm studying and and I'm reading and just trying to listen to God. What have I told you? God speaks through His Word. He speaks through His Spirit. He speaks through other people, and He speaks through our circumstances. God can even speak through social media. People that are using those channels to point people to Jesus. And this week, one such person encouraged me. John Maxwell said this, and how is this? I'm, I'm talking about, I'm studying about being on a journey, about walking, and, and there being a cost. And he says, having exceptional people on the journey with you doesn't happen by accident. It doesn't. Can I remind you too, who do we see? When, when Naomi and Ruth go, it's the two of them. It's not a crowd. So this morning, I want you to be thankful. I want you to look back and thank God for the ones that he has on the path with you. What do we know about journeys? They take time. Friends, there's no shortcuts. 
on the journey with God. If you do take a shortcut, I want to just simply ask you this. What are you missing along the way? As we see in the story of Naomi and Ruth and Orpah, few people are with you for the long haul. There are decisions that we have to make. There are times when we'll have to stop and rest. There'll be times of conversations. And listen to this. There'll be some times that we talk. There'll be some times that we need to listen. And then what did we see in verse... uh, What do we see in verse 18? And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said, no more. Friends, there's sometimes we've got to keep quiet and accept the decisions that our friends and family have made. We've got to keep walking with them. We've got to keep loving and encouraging them, but we don't necessarily, hey, this is what you're committed to? Okay, I'm. you're with me? Let's go. Let's keep walking. Friends, we're on a journey, not a sprint. And if we're all on a journey, do you know your destination? There'll be stops, there'll be detours along the way, there'll be turning points, there'll be crossroads. We must ask ourselves, why am I on this journey? If we ask ourselves, why are we on this journey, you know what we discover? We discover our purpose. We discover meaning of why God has us where we are. And I simply want to close with one final thought. Which of these three characters can you identify with this morning? Naomi, Orpah, or Ruth? Are you like Naomi? Are you, are you bitter? Are you angry? What about Orpah? Have you checked out? What about Ruth? Are you determined to follow God? Are you determined to do what he has called you to do? Let's pray. Father God, I thank you. Lord, that life is a journey and that it is not a sprint. Father, I pray that as we study and read and unpack Ruth's story, Father, I pray that you help us to see things that apply to our lives. Lord, I thank you this morning as I think about turning points in my life. Lord, getting that call from Austin that Larry had mentioned my name to come and to to help in their time of transition, Lord, that was a turning point in my life. Lord, I thank you for this season. Lord, I thank you for these beautiful people. Lord, I thank you for their faithfulness. But Father, I pray that as they're faithful, Lord, they're faithful to the right things. They're faithful to you. They're faithful to your will. They're faithful to what you're calling them to do, what you're calling Bethel to do. Lord, that, that, that they, they might stand at the crossroads of being bitter or better. Father, I pray they take the better road. I, I pray they take the, the road with you 
trusting you that you see the bigger picture, that you see the plan that you have for their lives, that you see the plan that you have for this church. And Father, I pray that we would just be like these women, that as we journey through life, that we would have conversations with others. Lord, we love and encourage one another. Lord, and that we would just continue to walk faithfully with you. Father, I pray this morning that you help us to apply these truths to our lives. Father, to search our hearts and to call us to living a life of worship. Not in what we do, but how we live our lives every day. Father, we thank you. We love you. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.